Cool. Ah, uh, you ready? Why not, man? All right, Mike, you ready? I am ready. All right. Ty, you ready? Yep. All right, let's have some fun. I'm out, Tyler. Who are we taking a time out with today? Evan, good to see you, brother. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, up in the 585, all the way down to the DFW, to where I am in Walmart, Razorbackville, we have Mike Ogenowski, the president of Sidor Optics. Mike, thanks for jumping on with Kevin and I. Uh, episode 90, we'll just say 97 of Time Out with Leaders. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, excited excited to get to know you, Mike. And Kevin and I always like to to start out asking what 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 are you listening to right now? What was the, what was in the the I would say CD player, but you know your your uh, what was what was what, what what tune was on the way to work this morning? So every morning I get in the car and I got a long drive in, um, and I got a very diverse depending on how I feel. Right? I mean, uh, so this morning it was uh, is old schools. It was the the scorpions rocking like a hurricane, <laughs> rocking like a hurricane and it just felt one of those moods and you know i just cranked it up and uh you know felt good coming to work there you go, some scorpions. did anybody what, what drive by and double take just seeing you <laughs> there's no incidences. At the top of your mouth <laughs> no there's no incidences no yeah i always got to dodge the deer that's happened uh too many times but yeah <laughs> where, where are you driving in from mike what, what part of the what part of uh rochester uh, up in honeyway falls very nice. Follow. It's yeah. awesome. Nice. All right. So on this long drive, Mike, you have the opportunity to have a billboard right there on 390 as you're coming into the city. You know, thousands of people will pass that billboard every day. What quote do you want people to, to drive by to get them thinking in the morning or even after work? What quote stands out to you? Good question. Um, I would say make today count. And uh, there's, there's a lot of different reasons for that. I know that's it's said a lot of different um times you've heard it but um as as you get older in life and uh you appreciate life more and i've seen that and you make make today count you know just get the best out of today a lot of people will hold grudges i see it at work i see it you know all over the place why hold grudges you know make today count make the best of it you know just get beyond that and try to make yourself better you know and and work with people, right? Overall, because um, I, I think, uh, and I always think about that, and I do that more and more. I catch myself uh, if I tend to do something and feel negative or um, not feel as good at things. I pick myself up and say, "Hey, dude, make make today count. Do it." You know, and I tell people all over. I tell my family. Tell my friends. You know, it's not worth it. Just move on. Yeah, move on. Make today count. Exactly. Well, and I, I wear this blue wristband and it's a saying, it's like, don't sweat the small things, but my buddy would, would crack. Same there, thing. Right? Exactly. He just, he never sweated the small things. He never let those small things become bigger things. He would right. address them on the front end or, or not care. Right. And move on. Right. Um, all right. So you're taking Tyler and I out to your favorite restaurant in either Honeyway Falls, Rochester, or we won't, we won't limit you from a geographical perspective, but where are you taking Tyler and I and what three people are you going to bring along with us? Oh, okay. Well, as long as you guys like steak. Uh, oh, I like steak. Yes. Okay. I would say, I don't think black and blue is open for done, but maybe like tornadoes uh, or char. Okay. Um, even Tony D's, you know, the, the, all three are actually pretty good. They're not all steakhouses, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. All right. What then, three people are you bringing with us? So what three people? Uh, dead or alive or both? Dead or alive. I like making it even more interesting. Okay. 
So given we're talking about leadership, um, I'll see Leonardo da Vinci, which I think the guy's a genius. I mean, everything he's done, very diverse um, in, in how he is, I think it'll be pretty interesting. Uh, the other one, a little controversial, I would say Elon Musk, um, although some people don't like him. He's a smart guy, you know, uh, coming out uh, and did what he did, young, very young, selling the business, starting out, going against the United Law, Law, uh, Launch Alliance and uh, in, in, in the big uh, primes and in, in, uh, inventing, essentially putting together SpaceX uh, to give lower cost uh, launches because uh, they worked in the space business. So I really can appreciate that. Um, and then going on to Tesla and everything else, it's just uh, he's a pretty amazing dude. Uh, overall. And I would say the uh, last one, I would say like Martin Luther King, uh, leadership, uh, a lot of things that he's done um, and uh, been able to, uh, you know, get uh, everyone thinking the same way and working together and, and helping each other and appreciating each other. I, I think that's very admirable. I think that would be a a pretty wild conversation, but I think it would be, be a while. Hopefully, we're hopefully we're eating that tomahawk <laughs> pretty, steak, pretty diverse like uh, eighty ounces, because that sounds like a long meal full of a lot of conversation and discussion. Yeah. Did you envision yourself being a, becoming a president of an organization, or was no. that even some a future vision that you had for yourself? Yeah. So, as a kid, I always thought about I wanted to be my own, have my own business, be my own person. So I didn't really really think about working in a corporation. My whole family worked in a corporation. They're all mostly General Motors folks. And um, at the time, I always wanted to do my own. And I always did like, uh, you know, I always had some side stints, always. And um, I always wanted to do that. But then once I started a Kodak, I kept getting promoted. I went from one job to another and to another uh, element. But I looked at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I said, okay, if I can do that internally without you know, going on business on my own. And that's what I always thought about it. That's why we stayed with corporations that long. Then moving up into the executive ranks, that obviously was, was uh, helped, you know, keep me within the corporation. Plus you learn a ton. Mm -hmm. Now I got to ask, looking at your education, because a lot of leaders are looking at going to business school. My one buddy, boss just started at the Simons MBA program. Yep. What did you learn at Wharton that you didn't know previously that helped you in leadership? <clears throat> so it warned it's funny because uh one of the things that kind of made me nervous you know what a skiff is right when you're actually rowing yeah um one of the exercises they did was teamwork to answer your quick question they taught me teamwork it's all about team is pretty diverse group of people um everyone executives that uh, when we were there kind of working with each other but they put you on a skiff on different teams and they have to compete against each other on that overall and as you're on that skiff i think it was eight person skiff and um, what you have to learn is that everyone has to work in sync mm -hmm. with each other and kind of get into the rhythm, you know, get into that uh, working cadence and as you're rowing and everything else. And it was really cool to see. So we did a couple of trials. And then in the end, we had uh, three, I believe it was three other teams that we uh, competed against. And you saw everyone, male, female, uh, different levels, people from HR, people from operations, uh, from engineering and business development, everyone working together cohesively. And that was very telling. And I play those videos here at work. Uh, and there's one actually that they actually use a, a skip. And that is so important. That stuck out as my mind is teamwork. Everyone working together in order for the organization to get ahead. Um, every function uh, working. And um, 
that really taught me a lot. And they focused on, you know, they focused on all the different business aspects of financials mm -hmm. and everything else, but that really stuck out with me. Love that. Awesome. Yeah, Mike, and I was going to ask you what, so I see you are, you've been a VP over and over again and now a president, <laughs> yeah. right? You've been performing at a, let's just say a high level. That was, that, was, that, that was by choice. I had a lot of opportunities to become president okay. um, in, in um, a lot of the different divisions. But my only thing is I was kind of, I was tied to Rochester. My parents were both alive at the time and I didn't, I didn't want to move. And, and I was told in order for you to do, you'd have to go to Roanoke, Virginia. You'd have to go to, uh, you know, Clifton, New Jersey. And um, I just, uh, I, I, I didn't do it at the time. And, you know, do I resent it? Do I regret it? Um, maybe, maybe not, but you know, I, I spent time with my family, which was good. I appreciate it. Oh, that's awesome. I get it. And I, I mean, I think you should pat yourself on the back for being yeah. a VP, man. I'm not saying that's a, a knock at all. I, I, my, my question was how, how are you so consistent for such a long period of time? Like, like I said, you were performing at a high level since 99, as far as I can see on your LinkedIn, I don't necessarily have your, your resume on, on hand, yeah. but, but what, what do you chalk that up to? So that's a great question. Um, what I did was every time in, in, in my particular instances, we were uh, acquired back when I was with Kodak, we were acquired by ATT Corporation, which is a large conglomerate. And um, as, as I moved into ITT, ITT acquired Edo Corporation, and then we spun out. So every time we did an acquisition or whatever, I got more people. So it became another VP position. Yeah, which is mostly in operations, and uh, that just became cumulative. So it was, it was VP of director, VP, and VP of director of operations and supply chain. So every time we did an acquisition or we did an integration, um, I stayed with that level within VP. There is more places you can go. It, it's just it, it's just up from there. It's, it's the president's position and the CEO's. But um, yeah, so that's why I think in my specific um, example uh, is because I stayed within um, the VP ranks because of that. It was constant acquisitions. But, you know, every it was almost like every three years we would we would do something. And I would learn more because it was different businesses and uh, different products that we actually sold. Hmm. Um, you brought it up, kind of breaking down those silos is one of your biggest takeaways from the Wharton School. And that's something that I see in my professional career is um, the unintentional or intentional creation of silos within an organization. And seemingly we're all working towards a common goal, um, overcoming obstacles and challenges together, um, but we're not really working together. Um, how do you how do you incite um, that, that cross-function um, teamwork and collaboration? How do you encourage that amongst your IT team, your technology team, your operations, your sales, your marketing? How do you build that cohesive environment that allows you to tap into that collective intelligence? So what I do is... I always go back to why are we here? We're here for the customer. If we focus on the customer, then every function, um, quality, manufacturing, engineering, business development, uh, we pull it together. So you, you need to put your differences aside, work through those, and collectively all get on board in order for us to succeed and um, take care of our customer uh, so we can be all successful. You need to put everyone's collective interest in, in, in into one focus. And I think the focus area is nobody can say, no, we're not going to take care of the customer. If you take care of the customer, then everybody else should fall in line and essentially do that. Uh, there's always going to be differences. There's always differences between 
manufacturing and engineering because engineering designs it. They give it to manufacturing. Manufacturing has to make it. So there's always issues in between, but we just constantly talk through those and work through those to understand what are the differences and resolve those. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I think it's, it's, it's hard. That, but... Well, it's, it's hard because I think, I think now we're seeing this transition, right? And me as a job seeker, if it's a, if it's a buyer's market, I love the focus and intentionality that uh, employers have on their customer, but you probably go the additional level to under so the individual understands how they actually help create a better experience. Uh, Absolutely, they're having a positive experience themselves. And I commonly say, employee experience equals customer experience equals user experience. Right. Right. Um, what did you have to learn? So understanding that and how fragile teams are and the importance of culture and collaboration. What did you learn through your M and A activity on? how to identify those things that might not show up on a balance sheet? Yeah, so this is so, that's a great question. It's so important uh, because as we did acquisitions, um, you know, for one acquisition, I won't say which one it was, but the first thing, you know, the team wanted to do is put the new logo, put our logo because we're the acquirer yeah, on everything's IT screen. So day one, so we had some consultants come in. They said, man, worst thing you can do, don't trash their culture. Don't crash, don't trash the other, uh, company's culture, respect it, keep their name, transition out of that, and then essentially it'll all be it'll all be one. And that was a huge learning experience for me because I was one of the um, uh, people responsible for doing the uh, the integration. Is respect the people and understand what they did. They were acquired for a reason. There was a value there, and just because it was an acquisition, not all companies do that. And even if you look at the large companies like Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin, Martin Marietta, um, when they spun, um, people always kept their culture yeah. and uh, of their original company, even though there was acquisition. There's a lot of companies still today, you know, some of our customers that, you, uh, I won't name them, but you can tell that they keep their old name because yeah. they say, okay, you were you, you acquired us, but it's really important to uh, respect um, where they came from and why they're on board and then welcome welcome them as part of the team and then that's that's when you actually get the uh the whole team working together uh because you're leveraging some of their capabilities bringing them together uh for the greater goodness of the customer because now you have a whole new set of customers which everybody should be happy for that yeah yeah and it's not you just focusing on what they were doing wrong whether that was policy procedure or behavior as it's what did you do right? What did you do great? And what can we learn together to, to right. really make it better for all involved? I love that, Mike. I was going to chime in and say, I love how you were always focused on the customer, which is almost like fo focusing on the goal to me. And, and then like, you know, your KPIs or whatever these people call exactly. it now just fall into place without exactly. just harnessing it on the, the process. And I always tell Kevin that the process is the destination, brother, you know, yeah. just to, uh, keep, keep light of things and, and, and to stay engaged in today, Mike, like, like you were saying earlier, man, um, are, are you, uh, are you uh, working on yourself right now at all, Mike, on anything spe specific? What's, what would you say your biggest weakness is that you're working on right now? Weight loss. No. <laughs> <laughs> I am working on myself. <laughs> no, you know what? Keeping, keeping myself uh, healthy. You know, you know, I want to lose some weight, get more exercise, get out more. Um, and you think differently, you know, as, as, you, uh, as you get more mature. You know, because there's different things, and and obviously, um, 
you know, one of the things, uh, you know, from a mindset standpoint was a Sylvester Stallone. I saw him on, on social media. They, they had an interview with him and they said, what is the most important thing? You got all this money. You've got a family. You got a show. You're very successful. And he said time. And, uh, you know, again, to my earlier uh, comment about, you know, make today count, you know, live for today. He said it. He says one thing that you don't have when you get older is is time. And uh, you got to appreciate time. So his whole, his whole thing is obviously keep himself, you know, healthy. And uh, I think that's, I'm focusing more on me. Before it was, and I'm inside, you know, within airports, you're in meetings, you get up early in the morning, you're constant travel, delays. And uh, it wasn't about me. It was really more about the corporation. And now I am starting to look at, you know, more of me because, hey, if I don't take care of how much I got a couple questions because I, I love that focus more on me Tyler and I say what makes up the best leaders that we've interviewed on this show and it's the ones that understand and know who they are first um so couple twofold question one how did your working on yourself change during the pandemic was that that self-reflection that you were forced to start to see well what yeah. am I trading my time in for in exchange for what yeah. Um, which has led to the great resignation, the quiet quitting, all these terms that people wanted to put on right. it. What what of what evolution did you have? Um, because it also makes it sound like you had an evolution of your own because you yeah. weren't yeah. spending time for yourself. Yeah. So the first time I got COVID, and that was fine, um, uh, vaccinated, and um, I got it really bad. And uh, you know, I didn't have to; you know, my lungs didn't fill up or anything like that. But um, it took me out like for two weeks. And uh, it was bad, you know, with a fever, I think mostly the fever. And you have, uh, you, you go through a lot of uh, self-discovery when you're that and you say, man, life is so fragile. Mm-hmm. You know, something like a virus can take you down and can take you out over, uh, you know. And uh, part of it is, you know, building up my immune system. That's what I said, taking care of yourself, building up your immune system and, 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 and working towards that everything that that means taking your vitamins, exercise, how you eat and everything else. I think that's really important. Um, I'm driven and it's very easy to drop off a bunch of stuff that I should be doing, but I don't, I don't do because I don't get to the end goal. Yeah. And sometimes I'm overly driven. So uh, I had to back off on that. Because I love that. that. Was, that was and how cool. did your definition of health expand? Because you, you talked about physical, um, yeah. but I think about career, social, mental, and emotional, financial, like, did your definition of your health or holistic health start to change? Yeah, it did. So um, I, I think happiness is really important. You know, are you are you happy with, with what you have? Um, regardless of what you have, you have to be happy because you could have a lot and, um, and not be happy. So um, I, I think focusing on uh, and appreciating, uh, appreciating life and appreciating, um, uh, you know, what, what you, what you've gotten, what you built throughout the years, you've worked hard to get to it. Okay. So now it's like, okay, the next step is, you know, uh, expanding that and saying, okay, let's, let's make the most out of, uh, you know, the rest of your life and how you treat others, how you work with others and, and, um, um, how well you take care of yourself. I think overall, uh, is, is a big part of that. I, and I love that you're, I mean, Drucker said it too, you can't buy, rent, grow, or buy more time, right? right. Um, which I loved, right? Because time is, I mean, it takes these events. You you mentioned your illness, um, it takes my grandfather, right? He's towards the end of his time. And now that he doesn't have as much 
abilities, he gets becomes more frustrated, but now he's starting to reflect. So it sounds like you've been reflecting on your accomplishments, your challenges, your frustrations. Um, How much better of a leader, the more you learn about yourself, how much better of a leader do you feel like you are today before that self-reflection? I think way better because there's things that, you know, what I know now, and it's working through the years, my past almost 40 years of, uh, of experience working in different uh, corporations, working uh, within different cultures. Um, I've always internalized that and used that to make myself a better leader in terms of communications and how I uh, work with others, how I work with different uh, with different teams, customers, and everything else. And so I, you, know, you always try to improve on, on, on top of that. And it's always like a, um, um, you know, self-realization of, boy, I could do that better. I could have uh, said that better. I could have accomplished that better. I could accomplish in a much shorter amount of time. So constantly taking a look at that and, and bettering yourself. And I think it's that intention, that commitment to improve, because there's a lot of people that get feedback and always are looking to the future, rarely reflecting on how, where they can grow and what lessons they actually learn from said failures right. or or success. Right. I love that. And I mean, how amazing is it to eat healthy, right? After after you've kind of been on a bender for a while to actually- It is. So, so the other thing that, that I'm doing, it's, it's working pretty good, actually. It does make me feel good. Um, intermittent fasting which I've kind of done that because I'm Ooh. not a... I, I, I skip lunch and breakfast myself, yes. So I do too. And, you know, and I've not, I was never a breakfast guy and not a lunch guy. I'm even here. I don't, I don't eat lunch very once in a while. You know, if we have lunch meetings or whatever, we'll do it. But other than that, uh, I think that's helped me, you know, maintain. I've never been a you know, heavy set guy, but it, it's helped me maintain. But how you feel after you do like a, you know, 17-hour, 20-hour fast, it's just amazing. Yeah, and I read more and more about it. Um, you know, doing it from a healthy perspective, obviously, you got to constantly do that. But um, really, it clears your mind. You have a ton more energy, and uh, it it does help you maintain your weight overall. Yeah, it just makes you feel like unstoppable almost. I think the only thing that slows me down yeah, is hard. I, oh, <laughs> I tell you, I, I had this rush the other day, and I'm like, I have all, why do I have all this energy? I'm doing all this stuff. My wife's going, Oh my god, what are you doing? And I said, You know, I. I I'm still fasting. She goes, well, you better be careful. I'm like, well, you know, and I had to stop and say, okay, I'm, I'm done fasting and do it. But it's amazing the amount of energy you get. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's pretty and, cool. And I want to, I want to pause because I think you, your, your journey, this, this self-reflection journey is something that our audience can really learn from um, because you, you said it, I'm a high performer, right? And I would say Tyler and myself are, are workaholics of sorts because we're high performers, right? And we're chasing that recognition or that reward, whatever it might be that's motivating us. How have you found time to make that break, right? That work and life balance. And Tyler and I say, it's more of a blend, right? Some days work over, overshadows the life and some days life overshadows the work, but how have you reconditioned your way of thinking, right? Because I think back to my grandfather you said it, right? To take that promotional opportunity, he was the one that told me never talk about your personal life at professional life because it would prevent you from having future opportunities. You're less yeah. flexible. You're less agile. You're less right. valued at that organization when you have children and you get married. Yep. How did you have to recondition the way that you may have been nurtured throughout your 40 years in corporations to start to make that break? And how did you do it? Yeah, so that that's a hard one. Number one, it's it, it's a great great question. Um, so I started with a BlackBerry, 
And uh, <laughs> this right here, I put away now. Okay. I put it away. I'll put it in, you know, if I'm driving, I put it in my trunk or I'll, I'll put it in my briefcase because I was hooked to that BlackBerry. You know, I got a ping. I, I felt like I had to reply right away. Yes. Yeah. I, I, that's, I had to break myself of that habit. And I think that got me to where I am uh, to be able to, uh, you know, reply and, 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 you know, get to people uh, because I was just so focused on customers because everyone's my customer overall. Yeah. and taking care of them. So I felt a, a quick response was important, but maybe to the detriment of myself um, in terms of being on 24 seven sometimes, yeah. uh, that'll get you ahead. So I said, you know, as you get on with your career, you really have to do that. And I saw less and less people doing it. So I'm like, okay, that's something that I really want to do because health-wise you don't want to be wired all the time. Yeah, And uh, you know, you, you read a lot of uh, journals that essentially say from, from a, from a health perspective, you don't want to be on that uh, uh, on that iPhone all the time. So well, I, I love how you said it is like putting away the distractions to give your time, space, and energy yep. to reflect. I think we're constantly distracted, and that was my greatest reflection during the pandemic myself. I mean, knock on wood, my family was not in, in, impacted in any negative way. I didn't have any loss of life within my family, which I know is a blessing and a privilege, right? But that was my first opportunity to step off that high-performing hamster wheel, right? To always look at tomorrow. Yeah. Actually finally reflect because there wasn't any sporting events. There was no gossip, right? The news was right. relatively limited. Right. Uh, it really forced me to, because I couldn't find a reason to pick up a priority or another distraction to right. keep me from actually self-reflecting and evaluating my own life and where I wanted to right. go. Um being on 24 seven. That's, I know how many people are thinking that way um, because it can be exhausting. And have you found it more helpful as you become more of yourself, Mike, and act probably more as yourself, your personal self professionally, have you found that being on becomes more easier um, when you're not pretending or acting? Yeah, absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, by all means, uh, it, you kind of naturally progress from that and say, you know, I, I don't have to be on, you know, on that all the time. I don't have to respond all the time. And um, now things are changed. I think back uh, when the technology, and I love technology, um, and I think it's helped the world progress um, uh, greatly, but it can also be detrimental to load too much technology, you know, too much information and everything else. And I realized that, that, you know, I don't need all that information. I don't need it that quickly. Yeah. So um, I've backed off from that and and that's helped me. Yeah. Well, I just, I read an article the other day where they uh, tuned into uh, millennials and 79.8% of our communication as millennials and Gen Z is digital. And, yep. and we're wondering why we're terrible at critical conversations and we can't right. have disagreements, right? Is because right. we're leaving out a large portion of the communication that humans pick up on body language, tonality, and all these other things. So Communication continues to be one of those um, hindrances of performance and success for a lot of organizations. Oh, I love talking about being on, you know, because it's, it's fun <laughs> yeah. to turn it off. But I always struggle with it um, just because I sometimes I feel like when you do, when you're on so much, you just and you you get to that point of a deserved break, it, like with your customers. Right. Like okay. I just love going ham for whatever time it takes to get the solution done. 
Because then, for some reason, watching TV is kind of fun then. Yeah, right. It's like if I kind of don't do that, like sports, TV, I don't know, a nice little uh, iced tea just doesn't taste as good. You know, so there's like a, a double-edged sword for me, I think, for to really find that balance and, and honestly to not th- overthink it, I, I believe, you know, because when I start thinking about my honor, my office, it's, just, it's almost worse than, than what it was before, my intentions. But uh, like I just was wanting to ask you, you seem like you've done a ton of research. Have you been reading any good books lately? Um, Mostly self-help books. Um, You know, I've always read different leadership books and Man, I've got a whole library at home and they've helped me tremendously and, and I'll send them out to my team or different quotes and that kind of stuff, because I think that is important. I think people don't read enough. Uh, and now there's actually videos for people that don't like to read. Uh, <laughs> or podcasts or podcasts. Or, or podcasts, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, more more people. I mean, pod, podcasts are, are uh, you know, you see more and more fa- famous people, leaders and stuff being on that. You know, I'm glad you guys have done this because I think it is, it is important. And uh, even when I watched your other videos with the other leaders you had, you know, I picked up on stuff. I picked the, you know, I, I learned some stuff, you know, and learning from others, I think is really, really important uh, in order for you to have that, uh, you know, most gratifying um, position in work life. And then the whole work-life balance, I think is really important because uh, it does uh, help you do a better job as a leader and in interacting with others and, and, uh, you know, making sure that you're putting together the optimal team. Yeah. I love going back to your time and how, kind of how that top clock is you're, you're readjusting your focus or, and that end goal. And it sounds like you're more interested in enabling, encouraging and empowering others success along for the ride, right. Um, watching them succeed. And that's, we see great leadership quotes, right? It's not about the title. It's about the impact that you're having on others. Right. But I've, I've noticed a lot of CEOs, right? Um, it's a tough position. Um, everybody's looking to you, right, for the future vision. Where are you taking us? How are you protecting us? And some CEOs really struggling asking internally for help because they feel like they need to have all the answers. Right. You seem very comfortable in the shoes and the soles that you're wearing today. How did you get there, right? What would you tell a young emerging leader who's maybe stepping into their first CEO role that you don't really truly have to know everything. Um, but you do need to know how to tap into the collective intelligence of your people that you trust are in the right positions or the right seats. How did you get there, Mike? Cause I think that is one of the biggest roadblocks to unlocking this, um, a business's true potential. Yep. So, so that, that, that's an awesome question, Kevin, because, uh, as a kid growing up, I'd, I'd see my boss and say, yeah, can I do that job? How would I know everything he does? And I thought my boss knew everything. <laughs> How does he know that? How does he know that? And I'm thinking, wow. You know, but as I learned more and as, as I got different positions, I'm thinking, hold it, I can do this, but you don't need to know it all. Yeah. And right now, I mean, you really get things done through the efforts of others and how you treat others and how you engage others making sure that you hire those right people and uh, work with them and develop them, they're going to, they're going to do their, you know, their specific task, their discipline. We don't need to know that. Do I need to know everything about engineering? No, not really. And you shouldn't, right? Does president Biden know everything about every aspects of, of, of government? No, he's been in, in a long time, but he doesn't, nor does he need to. So I think delegation is really important. 
And it's one of the hardest things for me to learn because I felt, you know, nobody can do it better than I can because I've done it. I've been there, right? Yeah. But if you don't give people the opportunity and you're not, not delegating, knowing. they're not going to learn. Yeah. So I do a lot of delegation. I do a lot of coaching, a lot of coaching. I feel great about it. Because yeah. then when I see the team doing what I did and what the results are, and they see the results, and I can go back to, okay, if you do this and this, this is the result. And they see that and they're like, wow, you're right. Yeah. And I love it. And, and, and you know, with the, with the team here, I've got a great team. I picked my own team, you know, most other places too. Sometimes you don't get to pick your own team. Corporations, just it's a flow down. You're going to put yeah. this person in charge. And, <laughs> okay, fine. But here it was great. Pick my own team and uh, I delegate um, and they accept it and uh, I tweak it. You know, I delve in when I need to, but they know what needs to be done. And uh, we've been very, very successful and we've been able to grow as a, as a company because of that. And they work together really well. So there's no, I don't see any an animosity, jealousies or anything like that. You know, the team's really working together and you know, I'm, I'm really proud of what uh, we've been able to put together and, and how everyone works together. And they actually genuinely like each other too. So Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like you're willing to ask those questions and genuinely listen, right? To build that human connection first, to get them Absolutely. to be willing to be coached yeah. or mentored, right? To yeah. see it differently, to change that perspective with new information. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear a CEO not so focused on the expected, Tyler brought it up, KPIs, right? We tend to look at KPIs that lead to these specific outputs. And I would say most organizations really fail to understand what key inputs actually are to drive those necessary outputs. But yeah. you're not making that the whole focus of their role and that the daily intention, which allows them to kind of come to that solution on their own. But we always hear delegation is the greatest form of empowerment, but it's relinquishing that control, which can be difficult for a lot of people. Mike, do you uh, remember the first time you ever delegated something to somebody and they actually just did it perfect? <laughs> was it the weirdest feeling? <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so, so that, 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 that's a perfect because I've, I, uh, I tried to do that and, and I always felt back to me ending up doing it. And I could tell the people resented that. And so I said to myself, I have to stop doing that. And when they went in and they got it done, sometimes they did it better. I'm like, oh, okay, this is great. <laughs> I'm going to delegate more and a little bit more and more. And, and, I, and I'm able to do more. So my whole thing is I, I, you know, I focus on the future, right? The strategy. It's more of the strategy. The day-to-day, -day, there's other people that can do it better because they do it every day, just like I used to when I was coming up through the ranks. Um, and when you see what people can do then collectively – each of them helping each other on that. We, uh, we utilize a gold deployment process here, which is KPIs, which are embedded in that. And once everybody comes in uh, and works together, it's amazing. It's amazing what we can do. Something to do with our era, Mike. I've been like a 90s guy. You know, my dad was a Texas high school football coach. And I sometimes I don't feel it unless I'm like laying sod or something nasty, right? Just like yeah. getting after it. Is, yep. Do you have some of that in you? Like you feel like you need to have a little beat down? In order to, but, but then when you're on the other side of it, like that delegation question I asked you, because yep. I went through the same thing. I delegated a few things one time, yep. boom, knocked out of the park. I was like, oh my goodness, what? you know, but uh, I don't know. I think, I think that era has something to, to, to say, not in a it bad does. way. It does. Um, it does. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's kind of how you come up through the ranks and a lot of things have changed, you know, how, how people interact with each other. Um, you know, there's been a lot of initiatives, um, you know, throughout the world, actually, and, and not a bad thing at all. But yeah, it was a different era. It definitely was a different era. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, 
I remember driving or you know take you know taking my bike from uh, from Cobbs Hill all the way to Seabreeze with my friend. You can't do that today. Wow. <laughs> There's some physical fitness right there. And I love that you say do it every day, right? And but it's really that that trust component. You're building that relationship. You're establishing that trust. You're building that resilience of your workforce. But you're also trusting those closest to the problems to help you identify the solutions or future opportunities, which I think right. is where that's one of the greatest lessons I ever learned from Undercover Boss. And I love how you keep saying that I came up through the ranks is that you are gaining that perspective of what yep. it's like to work for somebody else. Yep. And as we traditionally heard from other leaders is I learned what I didn't want to do um, primarily from the other leaders that I chose to work for. And I think Tyler and I would agree with yep. that sentiment. Yep. Um, what was and one of the great, yeah, go ahead. Mike. So the other thing I, I just want to, you know, the leadership perspective, and this is really important is, People have to trust you and um, you have to gain their trust. It's not like I can't go out and say, these guys, me. Trust, <laughs> trust me. I'm gonna, and they're like, oh, I trust you for what, what are you going to do? It's like, you know, and you, it takes a while for people to trust you. But I'll tell you, once people trust you and you get on the same page, they, they will, you know, I always say, pick the people, your leadership team, people that will go to war with you. Yeah. You know, so if you're there, they got your back, you have their back, they know you have their back. And I think that's really important from an overall leadership perspective. And uh, hey, if you lead, they will follow, but they have to trust you. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And uh, building that relationship with your team is really, really important. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. And I always say the most empowering things as a leader is uh, to, 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 I believe in you, I trust you, and I have your back. I mean, those are... Right. I feel that I will be more willing to go to war for somebody because you're striking that intrinsic motivation, not only the extrinsic motivation yeah. that we tend to rely on in, in, right. in business. Right. And then prove it to me when, when race time comes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, well, fair. I mean, it's followed by action words. And I love how you Absolutely. said that. you can't just ask for trust. You got to earn yeah. it and show it. So yeah. splendid. Ty, you were going to add something. Yeah, how, how does that the front end of that conversation work for you, Mike? You know, when you're you have a new teammate or what a new member, you know, if you can't really tell them about yourself, yep. do you just kind of let your actions speak? Do you kind of what, what's your approach there? So I'm sure you I'm sure you probably overpromised before, um, or, or you know, what, what's your what's your strategy when you first meet someone on your new team to, to earn that? Yeah, so it takes a little bit of time, and uh, essentially you give them a task, and if they complete it. Um, I like to praise people, maybe over, maybe overpraise, uh, tell me, Hey, you did a great job. Or if you didn't do a great job to say, okay, well you didn't, but you know, tweak it a little bit and say, uh, do better next time. And I always, I always offer help. How can I help? How can I help you? Do you need a tool? Do you need a new computer? Do you need a new piece of software? Uh, do you need some more coaching or mentoring from me? And I think that helps and you build that trust one step at a time. And then once you get there, it's like, okay, uh, I mean, I think my my team uh, knows they can trust me. They know I have their back. They know I'll fight for them. And then um, what we get, what the company gets, is those people they'll go to battle for you. And that's well, that, I think that's it, go to war with you, right? Yeah, right. But also, how can I help? I mean, that's I would say this is the the, the output obsession becomes their daily intent intention, yeah. right? And it's what have you done for me today? Mike, right. instead of what can I do for, for you to help oh. improve or become more successful. Yep. And I love that. It's two totally different things. And that's usually one of my litmus tests that I use with my clients is, are people so ch lucky to choose to work with you or for you? 
right? right? And I think that sentiment on itself is, oh, they're with us. It speaks to that collaboration, that teamwork, that I don't know everything and I'm going to rely on my team to to, to create solutions together. Um, right. So what values do you would you say is growing up? I saw energy, high, high, high energy. Tyler would consider, I would consider one of the highest energy individuals. You could be having the shittiest day and all of a sudden you have a conversation with Tyler and magically your day turns better. Um, how have you found positive intelligence to be almost one of your secret weapons as a leader? Uh, negative self-talk. I try to keep negative self-talk because that's, you know, you, you can say, oh, uh, I don't feel good. You know, I, I could lose a few pounds, you, you know, whatever. And that can bring you down. So I try to talk my, I try to think more about the positive things. What are, what are all the different positive things? And I remember uh, this one friend, uh, friend uh, one supervisor I had, he was a Jamaican fellow, and I guess there's an old saying, and he once told me, and this is pretty cool, he says, when things are going bad, Mike, and I was having a bad day or something. He goes, what's the absolute worst thing hmm. that can happen to you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Get hit by a car or whatever. He says, yeah. He goes, you stop breathing. Yeah. He goes, if you think about what's the absolute thing, you, you, right, you stop, if you stop breathing. So if you back it off from there and, and you just had an argument with someone, that's not really not that bad. Correct. So you, you kind of get, the, get rid of the negative self-talk and say, okay, that's not that bad. So life is not that bad. This incident was not that bad. This interaction was not that bad. So given that, say, you know, life is actually pretty good. You know, I'm, I'm just going to move on from that. I think once you get beyond that, then uh, I think that'll that'll help you. I mean, that 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 helps me. I don't, you know, you said, you know, um, you know, don't sweat the small stuff. I read the book. Great book. Yeah. Because I did sweat the small stuff. I used to sweat the small stuff. Yeah. I don't sweat the small stuff. I, yeah. Sometimes I don't sweat the big stuff. Yeah, it a lot of it takes care of itself. Yeah, yeah. I used to see and people no, doing that. I admire. And that. I think calm with the storm. I mean, you see a leader not getting flirt or flustered by something big. It's a that right. that that's entertaining for people, right? Oh, they're not it flustered. Is. It's not. But we're. It's almost like using a sales tactic to that uh, Jamaican peers point is reduce right. it to the ridiculous. Like how much bigger are you making that event than than what it actually is? And right. reducing it to the ridiculous allows them to gain perspective of oh yeah maybe I am making a bigger thing of something that I shouldn't be. Um, but I love to keep the negative self talk. I think we hear about imposter syndrome and people feeling like imposters and. I think just as society, we're way better at striking our weaknesses and identifying our weaknesses than our own strengths. And that's just societal, right? Um, I know me being coming from the trophy generation, I struggle with being that um, center point, right? I always have to do things as a team because that's kind of, I was always either putting yourself down to be equal with or raising others up to be equal with your strengths. And right. In doing so, um, it can be really hard at identifying your own without peers or mentors like Tyler White, who helped me with that. I think I was in the Caribbean one time in that bad day, whatever, in business, right? And the guy said something to me along the lines of, do you realize that you're floating on a blue ball? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, huh, yeah. that's kind of funny. Yeah, we, we're all floating on this thing. Very, very true. Right, right. And then, or, or even like when I'm on an airplane and I see all the little cars that they look like ants. Yeah, I think about like the conversations going in. You can't hear them because you're in a dang airplane 30,000 feet up. I don't know. That's just, uh, I like those perspectives, Mike. 
Yeah. Um, and I, I, I like the Cosmos one or for any leader that thinks that they're the end all be all, that there's more galaxies than pieces of sand on their planet. So like you think you're big, well, <laughs> just realize how small no. you are. Yeah. I got a friend down in Naples, you know, he's a former executive retired and uh, I said, Hey, how's it going? And he was ah, good. You know, he goes, um, you know, as you get older, he goes, you know, you, you find out, he goes, that people have a lot more than a lot more than you thought you had, you know, especially down there. It is, it's like, yeah, it is true. You're not, you know, no one's, there's always somebody more, you know, and every day based on the stock market, it changes, you know, sometimes it's Elon, sometimes it's the others. So, yeah. That's hilarious. Here's another Bob Marley said, if you're always chasing money, money's an, money's a number and numbers are infinite. So you'll yep. always be chasing money. So yeah. another, another wise uh, parable there from, from another Jamaican, but really putting that into perspective, chasing that, uh, what are you chasing ultimately at the end of the day? And maybe it was money for you at first. And like it is uh, for a lot of people starting in their career because they believe money allows them the opportunity to afford happiness, but then they start to realize, what am I exchanging my time for? And is it really ultimately bringing me happiness or more misery? So right. that's powerful stuff, Mike. Man, I've had a good time this afternoon, fellas. Both you guys are just, you you, you interact with each other. And I, I loved watching your shows. And yeah, Tyler, you're full of energy. I always <laughs> you know, said, okay, he's going to be a character. <laughs> 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 In a yeah, good way. I met that guy a, at like 7 a.m. and I had, good just way, had right? a first sip of my coffee and I was like, who the hell is this guy? And why does he have so much energy at 7.30 in the morning? <laughs> yeah, right. I love it. I love so it. Back to your yeah. energy piece. Positive energy I've noticed is um, obviously negative. negativity loves company or misery loves company as that saying goes. But positivity I've noticed in today's environment and today's day and age everybody, it's a lot easier to be negative than it is positive. And is. hearing you kind of focus on positive energy, right. And creating that right feeling, um, that sense of belonging, um, makes all the difference in the world. And I think ultimately we all want to be listened to valued and heard and know specifically how we're adding value and what we can be doing better, but what are we already good at? Um, Mike, I just want to say thank you so much for your leadership, your principles as a leader, your involvement within the community can, to continue to provide new opportunities to people that maybe have never thought about photonics before in this emerging space here. Um, but it's great leaders like you that don't see it only for your customer's lens, but your customer is also your employee as well as the community in which we all live and work. So just thank you so much for taking the time with us and being a special guest. Thanks, guys. I appreciate the time. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we you know, virtually kind of met. Yeah.